Hello, I'm Matt Dolly, and welcome to the ViperCast here on the Vipers Network. This week, we are talking about preseason fact or fiction. And as always, I am joined by the one and only, the 2023 Rising Star Award winner in Tara Roberts. Tara, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I'm happy to finally see you again, Matt. It has been too long. So we've been on a little bit of a hiatus here on the ViperCast. Luckily, we've been coming out with new material still each and every week. You've been getting a couple shows here, even though the ViperCast hasn't been coming to you. And unfortunately, Major, he can't come to the show today because he is still dealing with the after effects of Hurricane Hillary. So it's just Tara. It's just me. But what better way to kick it off? with an award-winning analyst here. And there is no one more deserving in the fantasy industry than Tara Roberts of winning that Rising Star Award. They're over at Fantasy Pros. The work that she has been putting in here recently, it should not surprise anybody. It certainly doesn't surprise me. I've had the opportunity to watch her go from Clubhouse to the Fantasy Penthouse here recently. And that is not an easy transition. You've absolutely been crushing it each and every step along the way. And like I said earlier, this is just the beginning. I don't even think we've come close to reaching your full potential here. So we're talking about fantasy breakouts. I don't even think you've come out. Maybe it's a breakout, but I don't think we're coming close to where you're going to end up when it's all said and done. I appreciate that, Matt. You're so nice. I mean, and our listeners don't know, there would 100%, like, this is not even exaggerating. There would 100% be no Terra fantasy analyst without Matt. So <laughs> Matt ta- Matt should take all the credit, literally, because I swear to you, it would not have happened without Matt. But hey, when, whenever there's a door there, if you knock, you got to kick that thing open. Sometimes it doesn't open necessarily by itself, but you got to kick it open. You have kicked that door wide open, and I just cannot wait to see what's coming next. I'm pretty sure... 2023, 2024 is even going to be bigger than last season. But we know right now the preseason, people kind of take it for granted of what it is, right? It's it's preseason football. It's football. We've, we've been going through withdrawals now for some time. I've been definitely getting into the Canadian Football League up here, watching my beloved Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and it's not quite getting me the same fix. So we've got the preseason football going on, and there's a lot of facts and fiction that kind of surrounds what we're seeing right now. Every year there's a breakout player that's breaking out during the preseason that either busts out in the regular season or like, oh man, we've seen that coming. Or a guy that necessarily didn't make a whole lot of noise, but we probably should have seen it coming. And we're going to talk about some of these players right now and what they're doing in the preseason. Is that factual? Is that going to carry over into the 2023 season? Or is that something that, hey, that, that's completely false. We're going to stay away from that. Or, hey, maybe it's even plausible. Maybe it's not fact. Maybe it's not fiction. But it is something that we can certainly see going down for fantasy. And we're going to start off, though, with the biggest rumor going around right now the NFL. And that is the Jonathan Taylor saga. As we've got those recent news. I mean, it's not really recent because we've heard about Jim Ursay and Jonathan Taylor going back and forth. Going back to, what, April, May, whatever that would look like. Jim Ursay doesn't want to pay Jonathan Taylor top running back money however he wants top running back value in a trade which is going to make things pretty difficult because not only is the Colts going to look for top end value in return but Jonathan Taylor is going to look to get top end pay wherever he goes so when we look at this do we see Tara do we see Jonathan Taylor being dealt prior to the 2023 season week number one no I I don't think so I kind of compare this to the Lamar Jackson situation, unfortunately, where 
they'll let you go out and seek a trade, but realistically it's going to be hard for a team to make the level of commitment that Indianapolis is wanting. Um, we've heard that they want a first or an equivalent package, but then on top of that, the team has to consider that in addition to giving up those picks, they would also have to give him a contract. Otherwise, if you're not doing that, you are literally trading to get a one-year rental out of him. And obviously, the idea of franchise tagging him after this year, that wouldn't go over very well with him either. So it's kind of a messy situation, and it's just not very appealing. Now, Jonathan Taylor is one of the premier young backs, so people are obviously going to look into this um, because there's you know a team or two that do in fact need an additional running back. But again, you know, on top of that, I, I put out a video and I got a couple of comments of people saying that you know this is a different situation because you know. It, Jonathan Taylor is seeking trade. His agents are going to be looking for a team that's going to extend them. So it's going to, the extension will be there and they'll work that all out. But you have to put yourself in the perspective of the team. Are you going to extend a running back who was coming off of an ankle injury, who was apparently looking kind of gingerly, who was leaving to rehab and not rehab and backs hurting maybe and all kinds of like, are you, we have not seen him on the field and you think you're going to get a sizable extension? This is just kind of unrealistic. It's a rough situation. So I don't think that he's going to get dealt. I think this is just kind of, a, okay, yeah, go seek the trade. Kind of like we've seen other teams do. This reminds me, have you ever seen the movie Hall Pass? It's a comedy there. It's kind of on the questionable there. But it reminds me of the movie Hall Pass where the wives basically go, hey, husbands, go out there. You get a Hall Pass. Whatever you do, you get to do. No questions asked. This sounds like the Colts are basically being like, hey, Jonathan Taylor, go out there, find out what you think your true value is, see what people are willing to pay you, and see what you get back in return. At the end of the day, I think Jim Ursay is kind of the owner that's going to be like, yeah, you know what, I really don't care. I wasn't going to trade you in the first place. I'd rather have you not playing for me than playing for somewhere else. So I think that's kind of where Jim Ursay, and I agree with you, I think he's going to be a Colt at the end of the day. I mean, Jim Ursay just seems like a stubborn type owner that's not really going to give in a whole heck of a lot. And when you look historically at what the trade value of the running back position has been, it hasn't yielded great returns. Outside of maybe Trent Richardson, who the Colts ended up trading a first-round pick for to the Cleveland Browns way back when. But LaShawn McCoy, he didn't get you that big payback. Christian McCaffrey, their last season, wasn't exactly a huge deal going back the other direction. So you look at these big running backs, they don't exactly get what teams may want in them. But how say, say the Colts end up trading Taylor. Where do you want to see him go? Where's one place that you'd be like, hey, Jonathan Taylor makes a lot of sense here? I mean, I would like from a single A-chain um, share not to get touched in one dynasty league, but I mean, it would have to be, uh, it would have to be Miami. Because uh, again, you want him to land in a situation where he's going to be in a good offense, he's going to get volume, and he's not going to have to compete with a lot of goal line touches from a quarterback. And that's Miami. Yeah, it's the best situation you can ask for. They would, in fact, forego Mostert and Wilson getting carries in order to get him a full workload. So that would be the ideal landing spot. I don't know if that's really going to happen. And for me, I'm thinking Chicago here because I'm not in love with Khalil Herbert, Rashawn Johnson, or uh, Donta Foreman there. And Chicago, they've got the great offensive line. They've got the money. They've got the draft capital. So they could probably swing something there. And they maximize Justin Fields on that rookie contract. So that's something, yeah, maybe it's something that could work out. 
Yeah, Matt, can I just say, I'm thank goodness that somebody else, because every time I say I'm not in on Khalil Herbert, the people go wild in anger, right? <laughs> they don't like to hear it. They think it's going to be fantastic. And uh, I'm with you. You know, I, I don't, I, I'd prefer Chicago to have another RB1. It's like hockey. Hockey, the favorite player of the fans is always the backup goalie. Well, Khalil Herbert has always been that backup goalie. He got an opportunity to come in for David Montgomery on a, a very small sample, and he had success. But it was a very small sample, so I'm not quite ready to go there. We'll talk about Khalil Herbert a little bit later in the show. But if, again, Taylor is gone, who's the back to have there in Indianapolis? Is it Evan Hall or is it Deion Jackson? Or is it Zach Moss if he gets back <laughs> to the broken say, arm? I mean, it could be Zach Moss. Uh, I would go with Deion Jackson. I mean, <clears throat> Evan Hole, I mean, he's a, was an all right prospect. He did have some points at which he kind of, um, during the, not during the offseason, but during the college season where he was kind of pushing up a little bit there. But as we're kind of seeing with these guys, these Evan Holes, these Zach Evans, these what's your boy up there and, um, New York, um, Eric Gray. I mean, they're all kind of like, uh, you know, I don't really know if they're going to be guys that are going to step up and make a massive impact. So at least we've seen Deion Jackson do something with it and catch passes. So I'd probably lean that direction. And then finally, fact or fiction, Jonathan Taylor being gone is going to hurt Anthony Richardson's fantasy numbers. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't, not super dramatic, but it does help to have, it doesn't hurt you know, for a quarterback to have a good running back. So, yeah, hurt a little bit, but I don't think it'll be dramatic. And see, I'm going to go with the, the fiction here on this because I think it might actually help Anthony Richardson's fantasy numbers. Maybe not the Colts team, but, I mean, all those rushing touchdowns that were going to go to Jonathan Taylor are probably just going to go to Anthony Richardson. So I think it could actually help fantasy managers who drafted Anthony Richardson in the fourth round of Superflex. I think they could be laughing at a situation like this. I mean, Colts fans, probably not so much. Fantasy managers, it's a possibility. Now, Tara, we're going to turn our attention to something that you know very well, and that's this Green Bay Packers team, because there is all kinds of hype coming around this Packers squad here, led by Jordan Love. But we're not going to talk about Christian Watson, because that seems to be easy. We're not going to talk about Aaron Jones. We're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about Luke, the Luke Musgrave hype. Could he be... Could he be a tight end one as a rookie? Could he be that outlier tight end that we are not accustomed to? I will answer this very quickly. The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, I love several of these um, rookie or second year tight ends, guys that you can grab late or not even grab at all. I mean, he's someone that's going to be a waiver wire ad um, and could legitimately be a easily a low-end tight end one. Because again, you're looking at somebody who is who is one, the tight end one spot. He is the one. He is going to be on the field. And we've seen in the past, um, in this Matt LaFleur offense, a lot of times we attribute stuff to Aaron Rodgers. No, this is also Matt LaFleur and the design of his offense as well. We've seen the tight end position be aggressively utilized um, in the red zone. And when you look at Luke Musgrave and his athletic profile, he everything about him screams red zone target. So, yeah, absolutely. If there's one rookie that is going to surprise people from a tight end perspective out of all of the tight ends, <clears throat> Luke Musgrave for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers. And the preseason numbers can be a little bit diluted, convoluted, something polluted. They can be something else. But you look at the numbers – 29 of 29 snaps Musgrave has been on with Jordan Love. 
He has seen targets on 89% or he's got an 89% route participation and a 38% target share going back to week number two. That is some pretty big time numbers for a tight end. That is a rookie coming in. So when I look at the outlier possibility, I'm looking at opportunity and we're seeing him on there with hundred percent of the snaps with Jordan Love. So, you know, he's going to be that tight end one. We're seeing a route participation north of 80%, which means he's going to be trusted in running routes to get open. And he's being targeted 38% of the time, which means Jordan Love trusts him. So I'm right with you. I think he could, and the tight end position is a wasteland every year, especially from tight end eight to tight end 13, 14, and beyond. I mean, it's very plausible that any tight end could get into that range. But now I'm going to talk to you about another Packers pass catcher who's also been seeing quite a bit of preseason work with Jordan Love, and that is Romeo Dobbs. Could he be a top 24 fantasy wide receiver in 2023? I'm going to sound like a homer, but yes. Um, I've taken a lot of I've, – I'm taking all these guys. I mean, the ADP discount that you're getting on these guys is fantastic because everybody – you know, is highly critical of what they believe that Jordan Love can or cannot be. And the result is, is we've got these Packers players that are getting discounted ADPs. Um, even a guy like Christian Watson, people say, no, that's way too high. If we had a rookie, any other rookie that had that level of back half production, you would be drafting him up, uh, you know, as a mid tight end or a mid wide receiver to a top 15 wide receiver and getting all hype and excited. And he'd be just this, the biggest hype second year receiver, but you're not getting that because of the skepticism around the Packers offense. But regardless of what you believe about Jordan Love, these, the Packers have done such a good job with bringing together these young pass catchers. And what you got to remember is that these guys that are going to be on the field Again, you brought it up when you were talking about the um, route participation rate for Musgrave. We know for a fact which one of these guys are going to be on the field and for what quantity of time. We know for a fact that Christian Watson is going to be up there for 90-ish you know, percent of snaps. We know that Romeo Dobbs is going to be on the field constantly. We know that Jaden Reed has won the slot role and there's no other competition. We know that Luke Musgrave is the tight end one. So we factually, we don't have to worry about these people having to earn their weight on the field. We factually know just how much involvement they're going to have in the offense and the discount that you're getting. Absolutely. When I look at Romeo Dobbs, just kind of wrap it up quickly and the relationship that he could have in this Packers offense, I think that he could be a target hog, somebody who is maybe not getting him. Now we've seen, you know, him utilized down the field as well. So not saying that he's not going to be utilized deep, but somebody who I see is getting the big play guy, Christian Watson and more frequent targeting Romeo Dobbs. So I love what he brings to the table, and I easily think that he's going to pay off at his ADP. I feel like that Jack Nicholson meme where I just kind of nod my head and smirk because I'm agreeing with you 100% on this whole thing. 100% routes for Romeo Dobbs equal to Christian Watson with Jordan Love on the field. 22% targets per route run, 25% target share, an ADOT of 25.5, 61% of the air yards. We're talking about 11 personnel, 100 snaps. 12 personnel, 100% of the snaps. And that is all courtesy of Dwayne McFarlane there and the utilization report over on the Matthew Berry Fantasy Life that I kind of pulled up. You're looking at utilization for both Musgrave and Romeo Dobbs. That could absolutely scream value right now. And I, I do think Dobbs could be that top 24 wide receiver that nobody's talking about. This situation, you kind of hinted on this. Christian McCaffrey being that – sorry, not Christian McCaffrey. Christian Watson being that deep threat – 
Kind of reminds me of DK Metcalf in Seattle. Romeo Dobbs kind of reminds me of Tyler Lockett. So guess what? Tyler Lockett has been a top 16 wide receiver since 2018, each and every year. So right now, I'm going to put out there, stop disrespecting Tyler Lockett, people. He's oldie, but he's a goodie, and he's still better than DK Metcalf. And I can see Romeo Dobbs challenging Christian Watson for that wide receiver one in fantasy when it's all said and done, especially as Tara talks about PPR. Christian Watson is going to have maybe the more yards because he's going to be the more explosive of the two. But Dobbs and Jaden Reed, I love this Green Bay Packers offense and everything that I'm seeing in the preseason. And we talked about this. If Jordan Love can get it together is a first-year starter, then this Packers offense is going to be better than advertised. And it's going to be better than it has been under Aaron Rodgers because it's going to be a LaFleur offense. It is going to be everything that LaFleur has wanted to be that Aaron Rodgers put a kabuffle on. Is kabuffle a word? Can I say kabuffle? I mean, let's be honest. It it. wasn't Matt LaFleur's offense (laughs) that we've seen in Green Bay the last few years, right? Now, speaking of offenses that are going to be better than advertised, I was watching this Washington Commanders offense here throughout the preseason. And by the way, congratulations to the Washington Commanders for knocking off the Baltimore Ravens in their 24-game preseason win streak. You know who's got the top win streak now preseason? It's the Las Vegas Raiders at six consecutive wins in the preseason. Yeah, that's right. That's where we're at. The Raiders are now the champs when it comes to preseason victories. Anyway, I digress because that really (laughs) means absolutely nothing. But this Washington Commander offense led by Sam Howell, is it going to be better than we anticipated maybe two, three months ago, Tara? Uh, I mean, were people really down on the offense as a whole? It, that's that's my question because Jahan Dotson has a a decent ADP. He could go a little bit higher, but I think his ADP is perfectly fine. Um, we got Terry McLaurin checking in, you know, where he constantly does around wide receiver twenty four. Um, running backs obviously being discounted significantly because of the fact that they're in a committee. But but again, I, I don't know. If we're underrating the offense, then yeah, I do think it's going to be better than advertised because I do believe in Sam Howell. Is he going to be the Messiah? Maybe not, but is he going to be better than anything they've had recently in Washington? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's an upgrade. We're talking about somebody who has mobility and an arm. Um, so these wide receivers are going to welcome that and the struggles that they've been through. So so yeah, I, I I'm loving Sam Howell as a nice little QB two and super flex. And I do think that he's going to be able to support Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I think this commander's offense is going to be able to live up to expectations that maybe they had before. Now that Dan Snyder is no longer there, they just look like they're more relaxed, happier to go to work each and every day. Right. And it just feels like they're close. I don't know what it is, but we look at this and Sam Howell has always been that question mark for Washington. What are we getting out of Sam Howell? We know what we got out of him when he was at North Carolina. You mentioned a mobile quarterback with a good arm. By the way, Diami Brown could be one of those sleepers right now because they had that connection in North Carolina. They were looking for each other here. We don't know what's going on with Terry McLaren and that toe. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I want to focus on the running back situation because one thing I noticed, and is it possible, possible that Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are being undervalued? Could either one of them be a top 24 running back? I am not a believer in the production that Brian Robinson will give us, unfortunately, because although they've 
talked about the potential of using him in the past game. I don't, I don't believe it. I, I haven't seen the upside. Uh, I do think that he's going to continue a similar role that he had last year where he'll get a ton of usage on the ground. Maybe not as much, unfortunately, because again, we're going to see more volume through the air um, shifting over the way that this offense is going to transition. But I don't get very excited to draft somebody that's going to get me 20 carries for 80 yards. And that's it. It doesn't, you know, doesn't get me excited. doesn't get me going. So I don't think that, I mean, if he plays a full season statistically, he would in theory be right around 24, just based off of, you know, the sheer volume of playing a full season and getting yards and, you know, touchdown opportunities and whatnot. But an average points per game, it won't be at a top 24 back. It won't be something that's really checking in and winning you leagues. I still lean towards Gibson because again, passes, passes, passes. And I'm trusting that we're going to have a little bit of a transition with Eric Bieniemy, and he can <laughs> talk some sense or get a little bit more control um, around the usage of Antonio Gibson, because we know what he can be in terms of the PPR value that he brings. It's just been Ron Rivera holding him back all these years. We've seen factually that Antonio Gibson can be an RB1. We know this. We know it can happen. So we just need somebody to, you know, give that back to him. So I think Gibson can crack the top 24. I think they both have a shot. I mean, this is a true 1A, 1B thing they got going on in Washington. And the one thing that I was pleased to see in the preseason is the fact that Brian Robinson is catching passes right now. This is the Eric Bieniemy snap, the whole stamp on this offense. We are seeing both running backs being utilized. We knew this was going to be a Pacheco-McKinnon type thing here with Robinson and Gibson because of the, what their skill sets are allowed. Pacheco being the plotter there, much like Brian Robinson, and with uh, Jarek McKinnon kind of having his role played by Gibson, who happened to be a wide receiver at the University of Memphis. So we knew what that was kind of going to look like, but I didn't think that Gibson was going to get the – carries that he's been getting and i didn't think that robinson was going to get the targets that he's been getting so it becomes very interesting and i think if you give each one of those kind of that split they have a better opportunity of hitting that running back 24 and the one thing robinson does well is he had about 3.3 yards per carry average last season but the last six games or so that number was four and a half yards per carry and the volume in the running game is going to be there this Offense is going to be good. The defense is going to be able to get the ball back to the offense. I mean, this is, I think it's a plausible. I'm not going to say it's a fact that they're going to end up as a top 24 running back, but you said volume is key when we're talking about fantasy. We've seen some pretty bad running backs finish as RB2s simply because they're the last man standing when it was all said and done. So I'm with you there. Now, turning our attention to the wide receiver position, Johan Dotson. Wide receiver 33. Terry McLaren, wide receiver 24. Can both wide receivers outperform their current ADP? Or will they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin's the one that I'm slightly worried about. Just because, again, I hate, I hate to keep saying volume. But, I mean, he's been a very reliable receiver. Um, unfortunately, he is dealing with that toe injury. But, you know, it sounds like it's something that's going to be minor. And we've seen him, you know, play the vast majority of games throughout his career. So Terry McLaurin, yeah, um, more than likely would repeat in terms of a beating out his ADP overall. When you look at his average points per game, he was still checking in around that low end art, uh, wide receiver too. So kind of when you look at him in terms of that average, things kind of like, okay, he's somebody that I can draft at his ADP and he'll finish at his ADP. And you can trust that. I think Jahan Dotson has the chance to really 
outperform his ADP just based off, again, that uh, red zone usage that he got last year. Now, granted, when you talk about it, that efficiency is not going to repeat. It was an outlier. But when you see a rookie utilize the way that he was, I mean, right off the bat, they clearly trusted him. His hands were fantastic, um, and the talent is there. This is a first-round wide receiver that everyone just underrates and overlooks for some reason. And it's very possible that this is a clear 1A, 1B situation. And Terry McLaurin's red zone usage has always been a little bit shaky, not to his fault, but it just hasn't been something that has really popped for him. And if Jahan Dotson kind of leans that direction, yeah, I think we can see where he creeps up and has the higher fantasy finish. So I prefer Jahan Dotson. That's the direction that I lean. Yeah, you're talking about three rounds separating these two wide receivers. So the ADP definitely favors Jahan Dotson. And so does reception perception. I was looking at Matt Harmon putting this out there. 80.1% success rate versus zone coverage as a rookie. 87th percentile success rate versus press coverage. Top 10 contested catch rate. This is all Jahan Dotson as a rookie last season. We're not even talking about those touchdown numbers. And what we're seeing in the preseason is that is continuing to come over. He had some injuries last season that kind of maybe held him back a little bit. But, I mean, with the maturation of Sam Howell, if this offense is how they're starting to look at preseason, I'm starting to think that this may be what we can expect out of this Washington Commanders offense. I think Dotson is going to be a top 24 wide receiver once all said and done. And I think Terry McLaren is going to struggle there a little bit. I'm, I'm worried about that toe injury, sprained toe, turf toe. That is something that's going to be problematic, I think, through the season. If he doesn't get the proper rest before week number one, I think that could carry in and possibly be a higher risk of re-aggravation later on as well. We've seen turf toes catch a guy multiple times, any, mini mind, no more, catch a player by the turf toe so to speak so i'm looking at this and i kind of do i agree with you i prefer dotson here i think mclaren's going to be fine i think he's great value i think he's gonna be a solid wide receiver too but i want to make sure i got myself a good wide receiver one and then maybe someone like a dotson a little bit later that's going to give you that high upside play now continuing on with the high upside josh jacobs potentially ending his holdout before week one is that happening or no Yes, it is. I have been under the assumption that, look, Josh Jacobs, we watched him live. You followed him in the entry reports last year. He doesn't like to practice, and I don't blame him, and he doesn't need to practice. You talk about somebody who can literally just do nothing all week, rehab all week, right? Not to knock him or anything, saying he's not putting the work in. Rehab all week, show up on Sunday, and just bust out 200 yards like it's nothing. Like I just don't think he wants to play in the preseason. And he knows that he needs to get out there and collect the check because there, it's just a terrible market. There's no other option for him, really. So he'll be there. And I think he just refuted that report of the, you know him potentially uh, ending the holdout because he doesn't like people telling his business and he wants to be the one uh to hold that within so yeah he just didn't like he doesn't like he doesn't like when news outlets just say whatever he doesn't like that you know josh jacobs and how he is i love him but <laughs> you know how he is he'll be there i think you're right i think he's going to become there um there's no doubt in my mind on that but does he return to a top three running back status once he comes back i don't think the missing camp is a big deal um i think he'll be fine 
he's a professional. He knows, like I was saying, he knows how to get out there and get the job done done immediately. Um, top three back. Oh man, that one's tough. That one is going to be extremely tough for him. I'm a top five back, sure, but top three is a little bit difficult. Just kind of factoring in the guys that we know are, you know, those locked in top five type of players. So, um, I think he'll repeat ish his production. It might be a little bit lower, but he's still perfectly more than perfectly fine at his um, discounted ADP right now for sure. Yeah, only Derrick Henry has seen more work in the run game than Josh Jacobs has the last few years. So that's what we're talking about now. At the quarterback position, let's talk about rookie quarterbacks. Aiden O'Connell. Don't mistake him. He he may look like Favre from Super Troopers, but he plays like Brett Favre, right? That's a t-shirt that he was wearing there on social media. 26 of 36, 304 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 8.4 yards per attempt, a 125.2 passer rating. Could he end up being the number one rookie quarterback in fantasy points per game? In 2023. That is an interesting way that you put it there. Because we know that Jimmy Grapple (laughs) cannot stay healthy. Jimmy Grapple is not going to make it through the season. We know that right now. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's a that's a maybe there. And the benefit there for him. See, you know, a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, we've got look at CJ Stroud. You're not that I don't love Nico Collins and John Mechie and Tank Dell, but you're not stepping in there and getting in Devontae Adams, you know? <laughs> Look at Bryce Young. There ain't no Devontae Adams over there, okay? So if, if Aiden O'Connell does, in fact, get the chance to step into this offense and throw to Aiden O'Connell, we saw what happened last year with Jared Stidham. Yeah, I mean, it's not that hard. So, if yes, if he gets the opportunity and average points per game, that could very well happen. I thought that would be a cute little thing to add. I mean, it could be the overall uh, quarterback when it's all said and done and Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt week one or week number two. (laughs) Now, we're going to continue with these big preseason numbers here. Another guy who's exceeded expectations, and maybe it shouldn't really surprise anyone who follows the college game, but Ronnie Bell of San Francisco said second, second in receiving yards with 172. Can he be a viable fantasy option in 2023, or is that just smoke and mirrors? Or is he even worth a flyer when it comes to Dynasty? I think he is worth a flyer in Dynasty just because, again, you've got contracts coming up um, for Brandon Ayuk. Off the top of my head, I cannot remember Debo Samuel's situation. But, um, but yeah, uh, Debo's coming off of a bad year last year. He could obviously have bounce back. But in terms of Dynasty, it's worth a flyer. Um, and Redraft, uh, this is kind of smoke and mirrors really i mean there's just way too many way too many mounts to feed in that offense there's barely enough offense to (laughs) go around for the guys that are the top four you know target getters in that offense so i think it's a little bit smoke and mirrors that he could have any redraft um fantasy relevancy yeah it's fiction it's 100 fiction now let's turn attention to duval county and tank bigsby who's one of the hottest names when it comes to the preseason right now 122 rushing yards on just 22 carries that's averaging 5.6 yards per carry is he a real threat to travis Etienne's fantasy production yes (laughs) i've kind of felt that way for a while unfortunately i think Sometimes people I've noticed, you know, people are kind of taking the words that Doug Peterson says and kind of manipulating them to fit whichever narrative they're trying to push. So we saw 
where he said that Travis Etienne could push like 16, 1700 yards. And people said, Oh, they want to give him 1600 yards. No, no, no. That's not what he said. He said he could have that capability if he makes that leap. That's not saying I'm giving this man that level of volume. So yeah, I, I'll be a little bit careful there. Now, granted, ETN, in terms if you're looking around guys that are being drafted, you know, slightly after him, things start to get very shaky. So I've gone from a full ETN fade to looking at it like, eh, compared to the things around him, it ain't that bad if you have to draft a running back there. But yeah, I think it might there might be a little bit of a, there could be a little bit of threat to ETN's fantasy production as the season goes on. It might kick off good initially and as time goes on it might start to get a little bit shaky a little bit muddled doug peterson is travis Etienne's biggest uh achilles heel in this whole thing because <laughs> he even went off and says you know what i don't think we have enough running backs because i'd like to have three or four that i could put into a rotation you just talk about travis Etienne possibly being able to get 1700 yards you're not going to get that in a four-man rotation that doug peterson just kind of <laughs> talked about the other day so doug What's it going to be? You got to kind of let us know what's going on here so we can make our the proper draft selections. But I, I am fading Travis Etienne, and I think Tank Bigsby is going to push us closer to a 60-40 split that most people want to admit. I'm still trying to figure out who's going to catch passes out of the backfield because we know that Trevor Lawrence Nobody. is one of the lowest-rated check-down passers in the game. He doesn't check the ball down, so the pass catching for the backs is not going to be there. And why would it? You've got Evan Ingram, you got Zay Jones, you got Kelvin Ridley, you got Christian Kirk. Push that ball down the field there, young fella. I mean, that's all you got to do. Now, speaking of young fellas, there's another one in Pittsburgh that is starting to make a little bit of noise here. It probably helps when you have one carry for 62 yards and a touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. But could Jalen Warren end up pushing this closer to a 50-50 split with Najee Harris than we want to admit? No. Uh, like, no, it's not going to happen. We've had no indication of it just because we see, look, just because we see somebody look good on the field does not like that carry was fantastic. That does not mean that he earned the right to um, take away those carries from Najee Harris. You, he's an ideal handcuff. This is not any knock to Warren by all means draft him. I'm taking him fine handcuff, maybe a little bit potential standalone value. If he can earn some um, third down work, but, Najee Harris is still the lead back there. It's it's this is not going to be a 50-50 split. They're not operating in a committee. They have not operated in committee. Um, that's not going to change. I'm not going to lie. Jalen Warren has looked like the more explosive of the two backs. I don't know if Najee's 100% back from the foot injury he dealt with last season, but you know Najee. He's a workhorse back when given the opportunity. He's not going to tap out and let the young fella get any, any extra touches there. Now, and now we're going to stick with the young fellow type running backs. We're going to talk about Tajay Spears. 13 carries, 89 yards. Can he be more than just a change of pace back in Tennessee? We're talking about a guy who had 21, 20.1 miles per hour on that touchdown run. Can he be that guy? Because right now a lot of people seem to think that Tajay Spears is going to have a larger role with this Titans team. And I just don't see that with Derrick Henry there. Because Derrick Henry, he's kind of a volume hog. I don't see it either. Again, when we look at these teams that have very clear philosophies, and then we look at a team like um, Tennessee, where they have given all the indications that their goal is not to explore young running backs. Their goal, they think that they are competing. 
And they're, they're not wrong to think that um, they were just super close to the playoffs last year. And that was without a quarterback, literally. So um, realistically, as much as we may not like to admit it, they are a contender to make it into the playoffs. And they're clearly going for it with having DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they're going to continue to utilize Derrick Henry in the most Derrick Henry way. I think the only way that we see Tajay Spears have any impact, again, is um, we did see on a couple occasions where if they just needed to give a series rest, they would do that for Derrick Henry, and then we can see maybe Tajay Spears come in. But I don't think that's something that you can rely on from a fantasy perspective. So, again, I like that he stepped up and looking like a clear handcuff. So that's a good sign there, someone that we can invest in and put on our bench. But I don't know if he can be more than the occasional um, – the occasional series um, sparing Derrick Henry outside of that. I don't see it. Yeah. Right now I got him as a scat back kind of guy there coming in on third down passing situations there to give Derrick Henry a bit of a blow. I, I do think so. I said mentioned that Derrick Henry is a fade for me. I think Tajay Spears is one reason because he's going to come in on the third down. We see Derrick Henry play third down historically, mostly because like, well, Julius Chestnut, Hassan Haskins. I mean, these are the running backs that have been behind him. They're just Jags, just other dudes out there. And then, you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks is looking for that second year bounce back or uh, breakout there. We're talking about Chiga Conquil. So they've got something in Tennessee that they haven't had for a while. And it's pass catches, including Tajay Spears, which means they could use Tajay Spears in the short passing game as an extension of the run game, just to kind of give Derrick Henry a little bit more breather, a little bit more, keep him a little bit fresh if they have playoff aspirations. Now, one team that has playoff aspirations is the New Orleans Saints. And we all know about my boy Chris Olave. He's one of my favorite wide receivers in the game. I think he's a top 12 fantasy finisher this year. We know that Michael Thomas can be good if he stays healthy. But I don't think Michael Thomas can stay healthy. So can A.T. Perry be a guy that comes out of nowhere and performs well to give you some good flex appeal on that bench? I mean, we're talking about Raheed Shahid, but we're talking about 26 touchdowns at Wake Forest in two seasons for A.T. Perry, six catches on seven targets from Jameis Winston in his NFL debut. And by the way, Jameis Winston needs another shot at a starting quarterback position because I just want to see him out there, man. I, the NFL is a much better place with Jameis Winston under center somewhere. But then anyway, we're going to talk about A.T. Perry. Does he have flex appeal in the Saints offense? I love Rashid Shahid. So given the context of the offense, I mean, maybe they're, maybe they'll make some adjustments in terms of how they um, utilize their wide receivers with Derek Carr, having someone that can push more volume. Um, they can make adjustments that way, but with Olave's the clear wide receiver one, uh, you know, as you stated, we're kind of like putting Michael Thomas off to the side. He'll be gone by like week three. Um, Rashid Shahid. I think that he will operate as the wide receiver too. So A.T. Perry is a wide receiver three. It could be interesting, but they would have to make adjustments in the offense to really support a wide receiver three because they have that offense just straight up hasn't been able to do that um, since Dennis uh, since Dennis Allen took over. So uh, I like A.T. Perry. He's looked fantastic. I don't know if, the, if in the context of this offense, if he can really um, pop for redraft purposes, obviously. All right. Well, speaking of redraft, let's talk about another young receiver down in your neck of the woods, Houston Texan wide receiver Tank Dell, because he is getting all kinds of hype right now. Five catches, 65 yards, one touchdown against the New England Patriots. And let's be honest, in Houston, 
There is not a true alpha wide receiver one. No one has established themselves there. Not John Michi, not Nico Collins, not Robert Woods, not Noah Brown. Can Tank Dell be that wide receiver one that the Houston Texans desperately need for C.J. Stroud? I know people don't want to hear it because of the size, but yeah, I think he could. I mean, I've been a big Nico Collins girl, but as we've kind of as we've kind of transitioned through the offseason, while I do think that Nico Collins will theoretically be the wide receiver one, I think at some point Tank, and it might happen earlier than we expect, Tank Dell might take over as the first look in that offense because, I mean, he has looked absolutely fantastic. Nico is very solid, very stable, very, you know, prototypical. But Tank Dell, the, I mean, just the explosion, creativity, just everything about him, just routes look fantastic. He's got it all. He's the perfect receiver if he could just be a little bigger, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a lot of Tank Dell later in drafts. Can't go wrong with Tank Dell. I mean, the guy's quicker than a hiccup. The way he's moving in and out of cuts, he's like Zay Flowers, except about the name recognition. He really is right now. I mean, I love Zay Flowers. We're watching him be pretty much undefendable. Well, Tank Dale is cut from the same cloth when it comes to those in and out of the breaks. Now, speaking of breaks and not being able to catch a break, we know that Kyle Shanahan is not exactly a big Trey Lance fan. Let's call it the way it is. I mean, I think we can all agree that we believe that Trey Lance was a draft pick of management, not necessarily of Kyle Shanahan. And now we're seeing, I mean, we should probably believe this. I mean, San Francisco 49ers have told us since day one, that Brock Purdy was going to be their starting quarterback. And guess what? Brock Purdy is taking QB1 reps. We were also told that Sam Darnold is someone that they really like. And guess what? They still like Sam Darnold. But we're not hearing anything about Trey Lance. So is Trey Lance going to be a 49er in two weeks from now? Is he going to be a 49er in 10 weeks from now? Yeah, because I don't think anyone's trading for him, unfortunately. some I mean... Even if something catastrophic happens, you can't plug him right into your offense. If you're missing a quarterback, there's no point in doing that. So, yeah, he's going to be a 49er, unfortunately. And I don't think anything is going to change. That's terrible. I think I think the media wanted Trey Lance to be something more than maybe the NFL wanted him to be. I think that's kind of where we're at. We knew that he was raw coming out of North Dakota. I mean, we knew this. We knew that he hadn't started very many games, and he's still – Technically a rookie, even in his second year. And that's kind of where we're at now. San Francisco is in a win-now situation. And as good as Trey Lance is, talent-wise, skill-wise, he's got all the tools. They just need to be refined a little bit. And San Francisco can't really put out a quarterback who's trying to refine those skills. They need someone who can go out there and get the job done. And for whatever reason, Brock Purdy fits this Kyle Shanahan system. And that's probably more important. That's probably why we heard rumors of Mac Jones being the 49ers pick way back when because of how the fit with the system is. Now, another guy who's been fitting in right in every way, shape, and form there in Pennsylvania has been George Pickens. I mean, the dude's been making contested catch after contested catch. He's been posterizing poor Joey Porter all throughout training camp. Is George Pickens going to be more than just a contested catch guy in 2023? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I still lean towards Deontay Johnson as somebody who I prefer to draft um, at ADP. Again, looking for the bounce back season from him, especially in terms of touchdowns. You know that with your boy uh, Jacoby Myers and how that worked out for him in his uh, bounce back off of his zero touchdown. But uh, but yeah, I, Pickens is fine. 
I'm not anti-George Pickens. I think he can be more than a contested catch guy. I mean, he's immensely talented. So, yeah, I'm just not drafting a ton of him. I still can't get behind George Pickens at his ADP. I get all these big one-handed grabs and posterization of dudes out there. I still need to see separation. I mean, you need to be able to separate. It's one thing that George Pickens hasn't done. Now, I think it was Matt Harmony once again who talked about the trump card. I mean, George Pickens has that trump card. He can go up there and he can get the ball. He can make those contested catches. But I still need to see separation, and I don't see that. Deontay Johnson is a separation guy, and I think that's going to be play better for Kenny Pickett in the Steelers' offense. Sure, you can take a shot with George Pickens, who's still going to be that go guy, that go route guy because of the ability to go up and get the ball. He's still going to be that deep threat in the Steelers' offense. I just think when it comes to PPR, Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver that you want to roster on this team. Pickens is going to be so boomer bust each and every week. It's probably going to frustrate fantasy managers. And let's be honest, it doesn't take much to frustrate me nowadays. Now, speaking of nowadays, that backfield there in Atlanta has seen a significant shift. We watched Tyler Algier absolutely take advantage of his opportunities in the rookie season just to lose it to another rookie in Bijan Robinson. Or am I talking too fast here? Because does Tyler Algier have standalone value in this offense assuming that he could get 170 carries he can get those carries he probably will get those carries and he does have standalone value um now again you probably prefer to lean that direction in standard leagues because unfortunately with Bijan there it's hard to imagine that that um his workload includes any receiving upside so unfortunately you're probably looking at just straight up carries and hoping that he can managed to scrape out a touchdown and that's, you know, the epitome of the, a good week for you, but yeah, some minor standalone value for him, but again, a fantastic handcuff. I mean, I, I keep saying handcuffs, handcuffs for these guys um, that I don't think are going to have a particularly massive role in their offense, but step into an ideal situation if the running back ahead of them goes down. And that is 100% um, what would happen with Tyler Algier. He would be an RB1 easily, no question. So, yeah, he's somebody that I'm looking at in drafts as well. Yeah, I love Tyler Algier right now because I'm looking at him as a flex option with RB2 upside. And if he gets an opportunity with B.J. Robinson missing some time, if something were to happen, we know that Tyler Algier can carry the load. He could have some RB1 weeks from time to time if given the opportunity to do so because we watched him. He was a 1,000-yard rusher as a rookie last season in this very same Atlanta Falcons offense. So we know that B.J. Robinson is going to go out there and ball out and actually probably crush that 1,000-yard marker. But let's not forget, Tyler Algier is a pretty good back in his own right. Now, speaking of confusing backfields, Javante Williams healthy. Factor fiction right there on that one alone. Is Javante Williams healthy? Do you believe Sean Payton? I do. Before I say that, I just want to point out, because I talked about this with someone today on um, Tyler on the Atlanta offense and Bijan and Tyler Algier. Please remember, Atlanta has a really good offensive line. So when you're talking about like perspective of Atlanta and, you know, oh, but they've got Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Oh, defense could stack the box and all oh, this, this and that. Tyler Algiers average yards per carry was fantastic last year. Atlanta's average yards per carry was top five, I believe. Top 10 for sure. But I think it was top five as well. Um, I mean, just... Just keep that in mind, guys. This is a really good offensive line. Sorry. Um, Javante Williams, moving on to him. 
uh, yeah, I'm kind of buying that he's healthy. Um, you know, Sean Payton says a lot of things. So, but um, yeah, we saw him out there on the field. We've got the evidence. I mean, it's hard to believe. You kind of wonder how that happened. This is very miraculous. I'm not going to say anything in particular about it, but um, yeah, I'm trusting that he's healthy. I am in on him. I'm drafting. I did a video recently. Uh, I think it actually just came out today um, that I need to retweet on Twitter. So I will do that um, for you guys. Um, 10 guys, my that I'm my 10 must draft players. And Javante Williams is on that list. And I already saw a comment of someone saying that I'm crazy for that. Um, but again, you're talking, you got to put that in the context of ADP, a must draft player. I could go down a list and say the top five running backs are must draft players. That's very easy. But you got to look at value that you're getting. These guys that I have to have on my team throughout the entire draft are guys that you're getting at strong value for their ADP. And Javante Williams is one of those guys. Looking at him in the context of what he can be within this Denver offense, we've seen, I understand Samaj P. Ryan and everybody is so in and love and the, you know what he could be in this offense. Two back systems have worked extremely well for Sean Payton, you know, throughout his entire career. So Samaj P. Ryan doesn't concern me and bring down Javante Williams. I think for where he's being drafted as a low end RB2, high end RB3, knowing that if, you know, he plays a full season or even for what he's in. Um, this is a guy who is going to average out as easily an RB two. So I think that the value getting for him is fine. I think he's healthy as healthy as we can believe he is. And I'm in on Javante Williams. And I've got Javante Williams as a fade and no, it was not me making the comment on Tara's video, at least not yet. As soon as I go see it that. M uh, Donna. Hmm. That was the username. It might be, it might have been a burner account, but it wasn't my actual account. Now, saying that again, a fade is a fade until it's no longer a fade. And I'm not going to say that with Javante Williams, I am fading Javante Williams because a I don't trust Sean Payton. We're talking about a running back coming off an ACL and an LCL type injury. There, Sean Payton was paid uh, played by I don't know the guy that was on King of Queens for crying out loud when it came to that movie. So that's another strike in itself. Now, for me. I'm going to fade him, but again, it comes down to risk management. If I've got three, four running backs already in my roster and I'm in the eighth round and Javante Williams is still sitting there, I'm willing to take that risk. We've watched Javante Williams go in the eighth round of fantasy drafts. By then, you should have two, maybe even three running backs already rostered. At that point, he's no longer a fade, just so you guys know. But right now, I am fading Javante Williams for the most part because this feels like the whole J.K. Dobbins situation from a year ago, and I still have fantasy trust issues. That's on me. i got to work through those still. I've got to work through each hmm. and every one of those. I will say, we did not see J.K. Dobbins in the preseason. J.K. Dobbins did also, also did not actually start the season. He was not on the pup. He didn't play the first couple of games, though. So, again, we've seen Javante Williams on the field. So, I mean, they, they put him out there. He's run some, I mean, in full action and pads and getting hit. I mean, I don't know what else evidence we need to see. I mean, but if we want to, you know, make a comp and say maybe this is like a Saquon Barkley type of thing where, you know, Saquon was, in fact, brought back and, you know, did play and the difference for him was that we could see we could see his workload being managed. I could see a workload management for Javante Williams. But again, 
I'm okay with that in the context of a Sean Payton offense because workload management and two-back system has been utilized very well. So I think he can be efficient. Well, we all seen that Saquon Barkley faded down the back half of the season last year too. He wasn't exactly the same Saquon in weeks 16, 17, 18 as he was in weeks one, two, and three. And just because people say they've seen it doesn't mean it exists. People say they've seen ghosts. It doesn't mean a ghost is actually out there. I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, quick rapid fire, Tara. Deshaun Watson, is it time to hit the panic button in Deshaun Watson being a top 12 fantasy quarterback? No, he'll be a top 12 fantasy quarterback, not a top five. I'm not going that far, but um, no. If you want to wait and draft Deshaun at 10, 11, 12, yeah. Oh, I'm full of panicking. This offense does not look good under Deshaun Watson. I'm banging that panic <laughs> button right now as far as that's concerned. No, Darren Waller, I... top three tight end. Darren Waller, top three tight end. Oh Back my God, I want to argue with you because I love Elijah Moore. Don't worry, <laughs> Matt. Um, Darren Muller. Yes, I am in on Darren Muller. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he's a top three tight end and he's not number three. I'll put it that way right now. Uh, Kyle Pitts returning to top five tight end status. Uh, he'll be right out outside of that. When, uh, Matt, well, I'm like, does it have to be like absolutely top three or if it's like number four, do I have to, I don't, I don't want to say no. And it's like, like if I say Darren Waller, I know you were rapid firing. I get that. But if you say Darren Waller top three and I'm like, well, Darren Waller would be number four. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say no to top three and have people think that I'm saying fade Darren Waller. Like I'm in, he's a top five. Top three is like maybe pushing it a little but top five. Kyle Pitts. Uh, Top six, <laughs> so close to five. Am I wrong? Am I ruining the rapid fire because I'm like one or two off? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it's false here because he needs more snaps. I don't see him getting those snaps. <laughs> I don't see him getting those route participation in this Arthur Smith offense. I think we've seen him between 50 and 70%. And in that 50, 70%, we've only seen a handful of tight ends finish inside the top six. So I, I can't see, I'm going to say no to Kyle Pitts being a top five option in fantasy. Marvin Mims, a solid flex option there in Denver. Fact or fiction? Fiction, but you should be drafting him late. But fiction that he will be a solid flex option anytime soon. I'm going to say it's a fact because Marvin Mims is an absolute speed demon out there. He does something that Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton don't do. Well, that's A, stretch of defense, and B, stays on the field because neither one of them can stay healthy. That's going to open up the gate for Marvin Mims here. I know we can't predict injuries, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. So anyway, Khalil Herbert, league winner with an ADP of 96 and RB33. No. Sorry. That was very quick to dismiss. I mean, we talked about <laughs> our belief in Khalil Herbert earlier on. and we, It was I, I mean, me. Okay, it was me knocking down Khalil Herbert, but you were nodding in approval the whole time as we talked about it. But I mean, Khalil Herbert. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We were of... saying no, right? We were in agreement of no. Sorry. Yeah. yeah I'm... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, you're still late. thinking about Deshaun Watson here. You still want to go back to argue about that. And that's why I put him on the rapid <laughs> fire so we can just get on and go on with it here. And finally, to close out the show, every year there is someone in the preseason that we see something from or whatnot. Who is a player right now that maybe you've seen in preseason? Maybe they haven't even shown nothing yet. But who's a player that no one is talking about right now that come weeks 8, week 9, week 10 is going to be a valuable fantasy asset for your rosters? Oh, man. 
I should have prepared and had this off the top of my head. Um, so I will default to <laughs> I will default to Kenneth Gainwell. Um, again, this is not related to the he could be RB one of the Eagles rumors because again these are all rumors and whatnot. We don't know one hundred percent what's going to happen, and ultimately this is a committee. But I am a Kenneth Gainwell truther for sure, and I have been on Gainwell being the back to own in this backfield for literally the entire off season. And again, the big reason is that if the guys ahead of you have a history of never, ever, ever staying healthy. Yeah. Take the one with the lowest ADP that has proven he will stay on the field. So game well for sure. All right. And because I like to change the rules as I go, I'm going to give you two here. I'm going to give you a running back and I'm going to give you a wide receiver because everybody's talking about James cook, James cook, James cook. 86% snaps in week number two of the starters, 75% of the rushing attempts, 70% route participation. That all seems like fantastic. He's going to go out there and be a steal of the draft. However, the kiss of death at the running back position is in that running back room. And it's not Damian Harris. It's Latavius Murray. No one's talking about Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray somehow ends up being a viable fantasy option each and every year. He could be sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, watching Sally Jesse Raphael, and he's going to get a phone call to be a starting running back somewhere along the line. I am scared for James Cook because of the kiss of death that is Latavius Murray. And at the wide receiver position, I'm going to go with another oldie but a goodie because we're not talking about him, and it's Allen Robinson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rel participation, 100% in the first two preseason games. That's not a whole heck of a lot, but we've seen a resurgence in elderly wide receivers when given an opportunity to play in the slot. I'm thinking Larry Fitzgerald here. I'm thinking Reggie Wayne. Now, I don't think they're going to have that kind of success there with him, but if you're taking a shot late in the draft, I mean, Allen Robinson, a lot of the drafts, 20 deep that I've been doing has been undrafted. No one's talking about him right now, even though he's getting 100% of a real participation. That means he could be that guy come week eight, week nine that you didn't even have to pay for. You're probably going to grab him off the waivers at some point. And I'll tell you what, you're probably going to end up bidding like $80 of your fab just to get Allen Robinson in week oh, number six. Terrible. I mean, it is, it is, but I'm telling you, this is the guy right now. Be on the offensive. Go out there and get him before everybody else is. It's a 20th round pick. You're going to drop the guy anyway, so why not go out there and get Allen Robinson? Because you know he's going to be in that route participation. George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, Pat Fairmuth, Najee Harris, Kenny Pickett. It's not a bad offense there in Pittsburgh if they get things fixed on that offensive line, which they look like they addressed there during the draft. With that all being said, we just round off a whole bunch of factor fiction here throughout the NFL preseason. There's like 25 things we talked about in less than an hour. Now, that is impressive. What else is impressive? Well, Tara and I are doing the Pros with Joes right now. And you can go in there, go to proswithjoes.com, register today, make a donation. I'm out there. You know me. I love Shark Week. I love the Sharks. I'm out there working for Shark Angels right now and trying to raise a little bit of money to help adopt a shark so to speak and let's kind of get make sure that they're out there for the next generation to enjoy tara what are you representing there with pros with joes uh the alzheimer's association um because my grandfather had dementia unfortunately and um i won't talk about it too much because i will tear up but um would love any donations towards that charity because that's something that we definitely have to work on and there you go with that make sure to check out pros with joes support 
uh, terrorist cause there. Support my cause there. Make sure to support any of the causes of any of the analysts because they're all great causes right now. With that being said, this has been the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast right here on the Dynasty Vipers Fantasy Network. And we will see you next week.